0: Hey, so in case you missed it, last week we announced that we're going to be at Hair Love 2020, um, Hair Love Retreat 2020. We're super, super stoked about being there, and, uh, and Elizabeth was kind enough to give us $500 off.
1: I know. That's awesome, right? And also, we want to hear from you guys. Who would you like us to interview while we're there? Because we will be doing interviews.
0: We're pretty excited because we, uh, we have a bunch of our friends there. Um, I know like uh, Naha winner Erica Keelan and uh, Darina's going to be there. We love Darina. She's the best, man. Yeah, she's super cool um uh maddie maddie conrad's going to be there pretty little hombres miss jamie uh main ivy uh, Olivia livia smalley shelly gregory uh jenny strebe you know jenny she just uh, she just founded uh air which uh which is picked up by salon centric but you know who else is going to be there and i hope we get a chance to talk to her that's kia neal kia neal has started like the texture revolution or
1: or certainly she's talking about it yeah totally dude and you know dm us let us know who who you want us to talk to and uh, we definitely uh, would love to have you guys join us as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we, have, we have a special code for you. Elizabeth
0: was kind enough to give us $500 off, and that code is Hair Street, Hair Love. So if you go to the hairloveretreat.com podcast, just put in Hair Street, Hair Love as your code, you're going to get $500 off.
1: What's up, brother? Hey, man. I want to give a big thanks to uh, our sponsors Uh, today. Thank you, Schedulicity. Thank you so much for doing what you do for our industry. You give so much love. You give so much love to us. We want to thank you from the bottom of our heart.
0: Well, uh, in 2019, they changed the industry, right? They changed the industry with both Schedulicity Cares by giving away $5,000 a month to a hairdresser and some barbers, right? And with Schedulicity Pays.
1: Yeah. And Schedulicity Pays was huge ginormous yeah and, and it definitely definitely will save you money
0: yeah no and doubt there's no doubt i mean at 1.99 percent processing fee and for 10 cents uh, a swipe i mean you do your research you can't find better no and a free card reader
1: and a free card reader that's right
0: <laughs> which is integrated right into the app right so you don't have to leave the app everything is uh, is right there for you
1: yeah and also we want to bring to the family
0: yeah, so uh, we're also excited to talk about uh, salon scales and welcome them, um, and then they give you the price, which then, in turn, you, you, uh, you, you forward to your, to your uh, client. So what they're doing is they're doing labor and product. So you charge for your labor, you, know, you charge X amount you know, per, per hour, and then you're also um, charging for your product. But they kind of walk you through that. But more importantly to me is you see exactly how much product you're using. And, and exactly how much product that it, that it's costing you, right? So like I know for instance, like I was way undercharging like for either a gloss or, or, or for a toner because I was using more product than I was actually charging for it. So, you know, for years and years and years I've been losing money with those services. Well now I've I've readjusted my schedule my my pricing. So now I can I can make some more money on on, on those products. Or, so not lose money. <laughs> not lose money, exactly. I mean, literally, it's crazy when you do a gloss and now it's costing you money. You know, that that's, that's just silly to like think about. Like taking your
1: car to a mechanic and they charge you for labor and not for parts. Exactly, right? you know, exactly. So now
0: now they've given us the ability to charge for that. Um, and, and again, just for me, the, the biggest aha for me was just the awareness of, of, of what these products are actually costing me, because I had no clue before. A really, uh, another really cool thing about salon scales is that you just put in whatever product line that you're using, and and it's already preset in the uh, in the app. You just go to their website and you go, Hey, I'm using this product line, that product line, this product line, and it just it automatically puts it in the app for you. So when you're uh, when you're weighing your your product, you just boop, 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 boop. and even if like like because we're independent, what do you got to do? Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> because we're independent. You know, we use, we use, it's not just one product line that we use or one color line that we use. Like I use, um, I use Schwarzkopf uh, Lightener, but I use Redken um, uh, shades and it's, and you're able to put all those products in there so you can weigh exactly, uh, exactly what you, uh, what you want. So they're making it
1: super easy for you.
0: They're making it incredibly easy for you and you're saving money and you can actually make money because I think I said earlier, you can, you can set the price to whatever you wanna charge for that. Meaning like if a tube of color is costing you $10, you can mark it up so it's $20. So when you forward that to your client, that um, little bit of a, a margin there as well. It's, it's so great. Um, Again, just thank you very much, Salon Scales. Thank you for being on board with us. and uh, And we can't wait to see how you guys change the industry in 2020. Hey hey! Welcome to your day off. My name is Corey, and of course I'm sitting with my best bud Tom. What's up, man? What's up, brother? Uh, so here we are we're, once again. We're at
1: uh, ISSC in Long Beach, California, and uh, it's our first go here, and we're really excited about about being here. Yeah, and uh, again, want to give big thanks to Schedulelicity. Want to give big thanks to Hairbrain for uh, just being so kind to us this weekend, and, yeah. and you know, giving us a platform to do a live interview, and uh, just you know, everybody that's just Kind of been open armed and helping us out and just you know allowing us to do our thing, yeah, exactly. And I'm,
0: and I'm, I'm glad you said that, you know, because uh, I don't know why people let us do our thing, <laughs> Anyways, yeah. right? It's just so silly, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, uh, again, big thanks to uh, to Harebrain because um, you know, they put us up and they put us, uh, we did, we had a live classroom with them and we were able to do a, a live podcast, which um. Yeah, I'm starting to get more and more comfortable with it you know my stage fright stuff so uh so I you know it's starting to
1: feel a little bit I don't know if I'll ever feel comfortable
0: necessarily our well, guest yesterday
1: all we had to do is say hey welcome to your day off and we shut up and then they yeah. talked and then we closed it out that was exactly it. <laughs> yeah we talked to
0: Con- uh, Maddie Conrad and I don't know if either one of us got two uh, sentences in and um, we didn't need to we, we didn't need to because you know Maddie, Maddie drops bombs and you know has opinions and stuff so that's cool so I'm um, uh, again we say this all the time um, super super we're mega excited for or for um our guest today. not only has he become um um a really great friend of ours but um but he's just like he he's an industry icon and in, in, in
1: you know, he's become more of a mentor I mean we I like really that. yeah, that's, yeah that's fair. you know if anybody in, in this space that really he who's helped and we look up to and it's this guy yep,
0: and he also has a podcast of his own
1: so uh, so he's a fellow
0: podcaster but um not only that, but he you might know, have been the original podcaster. He might have. We'll get into that. I think he was actually. We'll we'll, pro- we'll probably open with that deal. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, we we pride ourselves in, in in not being the experts, and we bring the experts in. But, but our guest today is the expert of the experts. Right. Yeah. He, he's the stat guy of the industry. He's the guy that I always go to, and I go, hey, what what? How many of you know? How many? I, this is literal, this is literal, about a year ago. I sent to a text, and I'm like, hey hair stylists are, are, are licensed in America and you know he texted me back maybe a split second later and he gave me the you know the whole stat breakdown and he loves stats and stuff so last year we did a podcast with him called the state of the industry yep and today's podcast is going to be that so that was the state of the industry of 2019 we're going to get into it into it today and it's the state of the industry in 2020 and kind of cool and, if we can
1: keep this up yearly right I love it I, yeah. as long
0: as he loves it I love it you know I, th- I love the conversation so definitely. So cool should we bring him in yeah okay so our guest today is the ceo of hairbrain that's why we gave out the extra long shout out to Hairbrain. um is uh, mr gordon miller and uh again gordon is just he, again he's been amazing to us and you know we're very very grateful to uh, to have him in our life but mr gordon miller hey. welcome to your day off
2: thank you hey can i can i say you know you you asked you mentioned you know how everybody's been so generous to you guys and, yeah you know we 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 look at you guys sometimes and we're like you know are they a couple of really cool hairdressers or are they maybe on the verge of homelessness you know <laughs> <laughs> so. he must have
1: called robert cromies because he made the same oh. joke to us <laughs> I yeah know like,
0: that. well when
1: we showed up to your event in new york that party because mm-hmm. you know we only went, yeah we only went up there for a day right so we were just like this oh that like was this. IBS
2: New York you're talking about Harebrained Video Awards yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly so we were
1: just like this mm-hmm. <laughs> and Robert looks at it and goes you guys look like a couple of construction workers <laughs> 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 Yeah, we're we're guilty of that. We uh, that's yeah.
0: how we stand out on it on on the, on <laughs> the, on, on the floor at, at an event like this. You know, so jeans and T-shirt,
1: uh-huh. right? If we were dressed up, we would look like everybody else. That's, that's the, the, truth. True. That's, that's, the right. Truth.
2: that's right. That's you right. Got your brand right. <laughs> <laughs> homeless, yes. homeless, yes. homeless, <laughs> homeless hairdresser brands.
1: <laughs> oh my God, Gordon, Thank that's you. that's hilarious. <laughs> but truly, we we do truly appreciate you. We really, uh, you know, just all your knowledge bombs that you have you've given us uh, over the last 2 years have it, it means so much to us. We well, really I'm, really appreciate I'm, you.
2: I remember when you guys started and I remember early conversations and I, I have to say I'm so proud of you guys and what you've accomplished and uh, it's a bit pretty freaking amazing that you know you have this passion for, for this this I, I think really big idea. And you know to be honest, you know I didn't know who the heck you were. Um, you nobody were working did hard for it? you know hairdressers you're committed you had all this passion And look how you have blown up and look who you look who you know and who knows you and and you're sharing all this great stuff. Uh, Sincerely, I love what you're doing. And and, and again, because I kind of saw you evolve, I'm I'm Mm -hmm. really seriously proud of you guys because I know how passionate you are and uh, for the industry and it's it's Mm -hmm. such good stuff
0: right i mean thank thank you so much i mean that that, that means a word of us and you know and, and you're probably the only person we can talk to about this but it's uh, we we make the joke i don't know if we've ever even talked about it on air before but like it's so weird because when we do the podcast we literally do it from a bedroom right it looks mm-hmm. like a studio from a from a camera view but it's literally a bedroom and we don't even It's hard to even understand that anybody's hearing it outside of those four Mm -hmm. walls you know so so when people respond to us in a positive way it's still kind of it's still kind of weird you know
2: well i think all of us in the podcaster space you know as you said you recorded here with in the harebrained community room as we called it yesterday and we had we had a lot of our podcaster friends there Mm -hmm. you know we've got our own little kind of podcaster network i think we're all part of and we all like each other and respect each other and you know it's um I think we've all had this weird experience. I've been around for a long time, people know me, but podcasting has taken my presence to a much higher level. Sure. And when people stop, and, and I'm sure you have this all the time, um, which is, when I hear your voice, that's when I heard your yes! voice, I knew it was you. <laughs> right, and yeah, it's, we get that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, uh, I don't care how long you've been doing any of this one, and I'm sure Robert with would say the same thing in a different way. When somebody recognizes you, you know, you just can't help but get all tingly.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And especially for like podcasting and we don't even yeah. um we don't even put our face in our in our in our feed and yep. so it's weird when we talk to people and they're
1: like oh that's the voice mm-hmm. you know tony actually had an interesting uh do you want to get in that story yeah it was it was at btc yeah and uh we were you know i was walking the hall with uh philip wolf and uh him and i were going to dinner and somebody stops philip's like oh my god you know Everybody stops Philip, right? So was, <laughs> but anyway, she goes, I love you on that pot on that Your Day Off podcast. Oh. And then he smiled and he pointed to me and he goes, Your Day Off podcast. She goes, Nah, get out of here. So she closed her eyes. She goes, Go ahead and talk. I, <laughs>
2: and, uh, uh, so I started talking. Uh, she's uh, like, Oh my God, it's you. And I was that, like, hey, it was, can, I, can I say something? Um, Philip Wolf is like three feet from you. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> right right just, now. He totally you know, just walked so, in the room. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy.
0: So, so uh, Tony, uh, Tony teased it, it when we were doing the pre-talk. So, what wh- was yours the first podcast in this? No, in this, who, no. who was there before you? I, you
2: know, um, I think. Could you did American? I did American. You know, actually, no. Now you make me wonder. American Salon. I, yeah, I might have been the first. Katie Whitledge has been doing hers for a long time, uh-huh. and I'd have to ask her when she started because I actually started the American Salon podcast. Um, probably started five. Maybe five and a half, maybe six years ago. So mm-hmm. I was early for sure. And I don't know if Katie beat me or not. I think I might have beat her now that you said it. I might have been first.
0: How consistent were you with the American? Um, Very. Same. 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 Yeah, So same. Weekly, weekly? You were getting it out weekly? Yeah,
2: weekly. Um, did it only for about maybe a year, year and a half. You know, um, and we're uh, two and a half years into the Hairbrain Conversations podcast. What, um,
0: what was the break between um, uh, the American Salon one and the, uh, and the Hairbrain one? So how much time did you take off?
2: maybe two months Two
0: months. so you two it months. was right into it. <laughs> well i didn't you know the
2: plan wasn't you know to be honest um you know i was you know i, I left one kind of media company went to you know really i think a, a very different company harebrained community based and but but people think of us a little bit as media mm-hmm. i want to be respectful of where i came from and um after i left um, um i waited a little bit and they took all my podcasts down they deleted them all <laughs> Because we were, I think they saw us as competitive. And uh-huh. I was like, okay, I, I guess I can do a podcast. Right. right so that, that's when I started. Okay. That's, yeah.
0: I mean, that, that's interesting to me. And I just, I, that's a whole different conversation. That yeah. is a whole
2: different conversation. It's the competitiveness of life right. <laughs> and business in particular. Right. But the
1: beautiful thing now, and as we get into the topic, you know, the state mm-hmm. of the industry, is that you see more and more today people working together absolutely well social
2: media the collabs right yeah and i think you know we as we said a moment ago i mean we're all buddies and our our fellow podcasters you know there's eric or katie you know and a few others you know we we definitely you know have shit we've been on each other's podcasts you know we you know we we stay in touch with each other so I, i i agree i've always been this way though i mean i don't think it's it it feels like it's really blown up but i've I've old, when I was in the media business, when I was in American Salon, when I was a publisher. I was friends with the American, with the Modern Salon folks, and mm-hmm. you know, and the Launchpad folks, and Aesthetica folks. Um, so you know, it's just my mom taught me well, right? No <laughs> doubt, right? I mean, w- we love being in
0: the, the in this space and, and yeah. being friends with you. And, and I'm kinda, again. It, I think it's super dope that we all do get along. And there, there, yeah. I never feel that competition. I mean, no. so many people. And you know, you taught me to kind of pay forward too. Because when I reached out to you, when you, on when I DM'd you, yeah. and then you DM'd me back, I was actually walking my dog, and then I did like a little jig in the back in the uh, in the backyard, and uh, <laughs> was very thankful because that was within like a couple months of us starting the podcast. And I don't yeah. remember why I reached out. I don't know whether it was a gear question or. or
2: it, it had to do with how you do it. Yeah, I think you were talking about you know. The platforms, or it, it was something, and you know, I, I have to say this. Um, I get so many comment. I got one yesterday. People seem to be surprised when I answer my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, I couldn't believe you answer. I'm, I'm like, really? Don't people answer? You know, um, again, I think mom, you know, taught me well. You know, it's, it's the right thing to do. It's the polite thing to do. Right. Um, it's not always easy to do, but I answer every damn. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean cuz people look at you as as a celebrity or a no. just someone <laughs> an old guy. Well, yeah, but someone He's who's been around for a long time. <laughs> yeah, but you've impacted the industry no, in thanks. such a positive way, you know what I mean? And so when someone like that responds back to you, you can't help but like, oh my goodness. That's you know what I mean?
2: That's, that's nice. I pre- I appreciate that. It always feels weird, but I, I do. Appreciate right. Yeah. So, I get that.
0: It's like yeah. the voice thing is, you know, it always yeah. feels kind of weird too, you know what I mean? <laughs> So, anyways, that's cool. So let's get into it, man. Yeah. So, um, you know, last year we talked a little bit about, well, well let's. How do you think the industry has evolved since uh, 2019, or or in the last year? What were the big What were the big takeaways that you saw from your for, from your perspective?
2: Well, um, I kind of put them in categories a little bit, I guess. You know, social has been interesting because I think you know one of the biggest changes in the industry in the last few years has been kind of the adoption of social media what it's meant mm-hmm. for everybody. Sure. Know, it's, it's been a game changer without social media i don't know that we'd be doing these podcasts because it, it becomes a way for us to let everybody know we're doing them right you know and I, I don't think it was as easy to do that maybe 10 years ago you know podcasting's been around for a long time by the way so i think social is a game changer for at every level of the industry stylists mm-hmm. salons brands you know you, you name it and i think um and i think the brands big companies in particular have have, have a new understanding and appreciation for how powerful it is mm-hmm. for the individual. And I think, because I think, you know, there was a lot of um, misunderstandings, misconceptions, stereotypes even, if you talk about influencers as one part of social media. So I think that has evolved how we think about it. I think the other thing for me about social media that's evolved is my thinking about it, and uh, this is kind of a contrarian thought, but given the travels that I do and, and the amount of time I spend talking to people about social, I'm really very much convinced that about 90% of the professional side of the industry, the stylists and salons, do not do social well if Mm -hmm. they do it at all. And I think that's a very big industry misunderstanding. I think a lot of people say, oh, everybody's doing it. And because everyone's doing it, maybe there's no no room for me to do it or do it better. I don't have enough motivation because it feels so competitive. And when I land in a, when I land anywhere, when I land in a Long Beach, I hop on Yelp. I look at salons. I look at their Instagram pages. I'm always really shocked, you know, how poorly some are doing it or not at all. Right. So to me, that's a social has evolved. It will continue to evolve. I think where it's going is to a less is more kind of place. I think everybody's going wide. I think the stylists have been learning. Stylists, you know, have these wonderful role models who are influencers, and I think often. Um, individuals and, and small businesses misunderstand how to be successful at social because they're basing the best practices on what they see influencers doing. Right. And influencers have different jobs. You know, being an influencer is a job and it's a job very different than being a stylist. And so what you need to do to be, to get more clients to get more business as a stylist is very different than what an influencer has to do. So I think, you know, again, an evolution of that space, that's, that's a big one.
1: It's funny remember- that you said it cause we had that conversation earlier, uh, Today, about uh, you know, know your tar- target audience. If you're making videos yes. like an influencer, you're you're trying to attract other hairdressers, right? But if you're trying to a- attract a clientele, you gotta totally change your game. Mm-hmm. And
2: you know, I think you know, contextually, when you think about again, you know, followers, the big the big idea. Yeah, an influencer. Now we have micro influencers. You know, we got the big influencers, and you know, in the influencer space, you know, if your goal is, I would say, you should have a goal if that's what you really want to do. And you've kind of gotten through all the, the understanding of how hard it is to do it. I think right. that's important. To me, it's like, you know, American Idol. You know, it's like, I want to be a singer. I'm going to go on American Idol. You know, I used to watch American Idol until I realized that nobody on American Idol except maybe two people have ever become anybody. Right. So there's this idea that anybody can do this. But the reality is it's tough. It takes a lot. It takes courage. It takes hard work. It takes a lot of skill and knowledge, you know, and, and dedication. We get confused again, and, and I think we... At at the salon level, I just know so many hairdressers with 500 followers who are killing it. I know hairdressers with 5,000 followers who are not killing it because Mm -hmm. they've gone too wide. Right. And one of my favorite educators in social is one of your, I guess, kind of regular guests in some ways is Michael Cole. Yeah. And when he talks about social, it's a completely different conversation than most of the social media educators are having. And he's my favorite. I think he nails it, which is go small. You know, if you get 500 followers and work them well, you can build a good book.
0: Well, even, uh, even the podcast that we, did, that, that we did with Maddie, you know, Matt, uh, Maddie Conrad is, uh, you know, Maddie brought up that, you know, to be a successful hairdresser, if you're a hair cutter, you need 200 clients. That's it. And, 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 and
2: today, even 100, depending on what market you're in, how many hours you work and what your price point is.
0: Right. And he said that about, you know, if you're a colorist, then, you know, you, you're, you're, you're that 100 should be it and you can make yep. it, You can have a very successful that career. That was Jamie Wiley. Was that Jamie? Yeah, I thought it was Maddie. Well, sorry, sorry, Maddie. I mean, sorry, Jamie. It was Jamie. So, uh, true story though. True story, right? So, you know, you don't have to be broad, and then and then you kind of wonder, like, you use the number five hundred. You're like, well, what are the other three hundred for?
2: Well, you have to remember. So let's let's. I don't want to go too deep in the weeds on social, but if you have five hundred followers and you do a post, you're going to reach fifty people. That's the math. That's the math of social. You know, ten percent is a typical reach. So you know, you got to. Everything goes back to goals. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's like, what are you trying to accomplish? If you're a young stylist with no book, you have a different set of goals than if you're a 10 year stylist who's looking to fill 20% of their, their slots. And if we think old school before social, you, know, you, you would really focus on those numbers and your strategy might be go to, to, to do business cards at the clubs. You know? But you, kinda, you, were, you were very focused on getting, picking up one or two appointments a day. Mm-hmm. And if that's where you are, your social tactics and, your, and certainly your strategy and goals should be very different than a new stylist or a stylist who's moved to a new market or an influencer.
0: So last year you, um, you said that the manufacturers were still trying to figure out what to do with the influencers. Mm-hmm. Have they?
2: Um, it's fascinating. So um, yes and no, like everything, I guess. Um, and I'm not going to get into specific brands, but some brands are killing it, really doing it well. There's been an evolution of thinking, I, spe- I think, mm-hmm. especially the understanding of what influencers really are, who they are and what they're about. You know, in the early days, it was like, oh, they're a bunch of kids. They're Insta-famous. You know, they don't mm-hmm. know anything. And those of us who've been knowing those people since before they became Insta-famous or, or watched them progress, I mean, say, you know, most of them are experienced educators. Some of them learned to be educators as they were becoming popular, Mm -hmm. some of them have been trained to be educators. But I think as the brands have now, the, the more savvy brands when it comes to social, have evolved their thinking to accept these folks for who they are, meaning recognizing what skills they have and don't have, helping them fill in the gaps, and connecting the dots between who they are and what they do with the traditional platform artists and educators who've been on their teams for years. And so we see this kind of coming together in some brands. And I think that's really exciting. A lot of brands are kind of still getting used to this and, and they're watching what these these other brands are doing and how sort of successful they're being with their tactics. And so there's a lot still that needs to be done, but we're moving in the right direction. Perfect.
1: Yeah, and like kind of going back a little bit like where you know you talk about how a lot of people do on social media and they're doing it uh, not so well. Most. There's, <laughs> there's, so, there's so much information out there t- to to help you to learn to do it well, um, and especially as the older we get, the, the the hairdressers are becoming younger, right? So you've got to <laughs> know technique, and, and even with they're the not au- becoming
2: younger, you're becoming. Younger. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Gordon. I was trying
1: to. So da- <laughs> I was. Thanks, man. <laughs> Way to kick me, brother. Um, I'm right there with <laughs> you. <laughs> is um, you know, the. Even the audience, everybody is using technology. So I mean, you have to learn it. There's no avoiding it. It's like the paper book, right? Um, nobody uses paper books. I mean, oh, you know, am I wrong?
2: You're so wrong. Well, There's we, a well, lot of paper books out there. Still. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, a lot of cash money too.
1: We we talked to a
0: software person um, earlier, and they and their number, and you you'll know the number probably better than they will. Even is that. Like that I think it was 60% of the salons are still using paper books yeah. and only 40% what? are using technology.
2: Yeah, yeah. and actually, I, I'm, I'm actually encouraged by that number. 40 is a little bit more than I thought it was, and mm-hmm. I would trust that they would have those right numbers. But, you know... I could let, be lying about the numbers, no, too. No, I, I, I think, you know, that, that sounds reasonable. And it, it says that we have a long ways to go. So when I think about social, you know, I always use, like, the real world kind of as a metaphor because I think it works so very, very well. So let's take one moment and talk about haircutting and the quality of work in the industry collectively. One of my favorite things to do, and I've been doing it for years, um, is, is when you get up and go to the restroom on an airplane, and you've got 200 people sitting there, and while I'm waiting, and it happened to me years ago for the first time, and I do it all the time now, I just kind of stand and stare for a moment and look at the hair. And usually I'm like, damn, there's some bad hair on this airplane. Mm-hmm. And you see it on the streets, you know? You, see, you just, who's doing that hair? Uh, that would be us. Um, so if we're not collectively as good as we would hope we might be as haircutters, collectively. We, we are so lucky, the three of us, we know some of the best hairdressers in the world. I live in a rarefied world of hairdressers, craft mm-hmm. hairdressers, and I spent my whole career hanging with great, great hairdressers. But I always like to take a step back and, and realize that that's not the norm. You know, it's, it's just not. You know, there's a lot of folks who could be way better. And then we say, how is that possible? There's so many resources. Same with social media, same thing.
0: Right, right. So I got to be honest, man. Last year when we talked, I, like, I thought by this time that, that Amazon would have, uh, would have bought out one of the big companies. And it hasn't happened. No. Um, where, where does, it, where, where does it Amazon live in our, in our industry? And, and is, it, is there fear?
2: Well, there's fear for sure, you know, in the in the weeds of the industry, because I hear about it every day, you know, people, Mm -hmm. people who do have concerns as to where it might be going. I I would say that um, we all need to stay tuned. Uh, You know, I would predict it still could happen. Um, You know, some folks said that Amazon has been kind of looking around closely at the industry. What's interesting about big picture business outside the industry, these big conglomerates, these mega companies that occasionally buy other companies, timing is everything. Right. They have to look you know, for the value. We've got publicly held companies in this industry. Big companies outside the industry wait for a stock price to get to a certain point before they jump in. So they might be, you know, we're going through tumultuous times still in, in many parts of the industry. A company like Amazon might be waiting for the price to be right, as one thought about maybe why it mm-hmm. hasn't happened yet. The industry's evolving quickly. They're really smart. They might be watching to see, well, where is the industry headed with this giant shift towards rental? which is, that's another whole conversation, but the shift is continuing. Talk about trends, it's continuing. The evolution of suites is still growing at a a good clip. Um, Those things will impact long-term the state of retail, because we know that people who leave commission salons don't, at, at this moment, retail at the same level. That puts the retail part of our industry a little bit at risk, and that would be of interest to an Amazon, and perhaps hold them back a little bit, and maybe see where they think it's ultimately going to go. I don't think they're out of play. I just think they're maybe watching. Maybe
0: slow playing a little yep. bit.
1: Which yeah. totally makes sense because as the as the Swedes or the independent hairdresser mm-hmm. grows, and then the retail sales do drop, yep. you know what I mean? It's going to force. Somebody's hand.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think Amazon's trying to figure out even what does that mean right now. They've launched. You know, they they obviously they're already selling professional products with the permission of brands. Um, there's it, it's been fairly new, so they got to see where that's headed. And they what this year they launched their professional only distribution platform. Um, that doesn't seem to have done very well for them, but they mm-hmm. don't have the brand. You know, one of the tricks with distribution, old school or new school, online or off, is you got to have the right brands as a distributor to build your business. Right. And they don't seem to have them yet on their professional. Platform.
0: I gotta tell you, so they, you know, they sent me an email and I read it. I still don't understand how it's working. Like, yeah. and I don't understand, like, like it. It is the sales pitch, that it's a benefit to me. Is the sales pitch that it's a benefit to my clients? Mm-hmm. I, I haven't. I, I think they did a really piss poor job of selling me. So, as an independent hairdresser,
2: any, I would say my experience over a long period of time has been companies outside the professional beauty industry. And you know, we all kind of know some of them and we're kind of stepping, putting their toe into the professional industry. Um, it takes time to understand how to communicate with the people who work in this industry. We're a very unique industry. Our language is different, our, the way we think about everything and, and how we interact and engage with one another is unique. And I don't think they figured out how to talk to us yet. Mm. That makes
0: sense. It totally does. How, well. I'll ask you. I mean you're not from the industry originally. Like when when did you start to one understand that we speak a different language and two, how how to how to be effective how to be an effective communicator?
2: Well that's a that's an interesting question. I don't I don't know that I can actually really tell you the answer to that except to say I, I came into the industry, you know, right out of college when I was twenty two. I fell in by mistake, went to work in in a chain of beauty schools and salons and and um you know, being young, and it was my first business experience, like, again, right out of college, you know, I, I kind of got thrown into the deep end of the pool pretty quickly. You know, right. I was working in a, a with about 150 hairdressers and, and cosmetology educators in this company of salons and schools. And so I, I think I got there relatively fast, but it's easier when you're 22 and you know nothing.
0: Well, you're 22 and, 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 and like you said earlier when you called Tony old, you know, that that's kind of where hairdressers live too, right? I yeah. mean, we, we live, you know, in our 20s anyway,
2: so. It, and I grew up in the education side of the business. So, uh, you know, to be, you know, I spent eight years, you know, kind of in the trenches of local schools in Colorado, and then I moved to Utah and ran a chain of schools at a very young age. At 30, Pivot Point brought me to Chicago, and I spent 10 years with Pivot Point, came in as a fairly junior person, left as a vice president, and um, Leo Passage was my mentor, and he taught me everything there was to know about education and educating hairdressers. And I think when you're in the weeds at a company like Pivot Point, you do start by learning how hairdressers learn, and Mm -hmm. when you know how a person learns, any category of people, you then begin to understand their language and and how to... Push the right buttons to make a person get from point A to point B in understanding. Because you know, teaching education starts with communicating in a way that is effective. So and, and they, to, genius company.
1: Yeah. And, well, today uh, it's funny because uh, again we had a conversation earlier uh, about you know how when you said how people learn. Right before it used to be a radio and yep. before TV. Right. Yep. TV killed kind of you know yeah, took, a, yeah, totally. took away from the radio. Yep. Uh, and then we're very visual people, right? So yep. you had pictures, then all of a sudden, you know, Instagram, you're able to do videos. And, you know, you spend a lot more time watching a video than you do just looking at a quick picture, yep. right? So, you know, it's funny how things are evolving to where, uh, you know, instead of getting back to the podcast, right? So. Yep people used to look at magazines right now a lot of people are listening to the podcast mm-hmm. to, to kind of get that information right it's a uh, we're well, learning. learning how like I'm sorry but learning how we learn
2: yes absolutely and you know why do we think Instagram like was like hairdressers adopted Instagram so quickly like I was I was an early adopter in the industry of Facebook I was an evangelist for it you know and when Instagram took off I was as an observer you know which is what I really think of myself as first and foremost in the industry you know um, it was no question, like immediately you could go, Okay, hairdresser's gonna love this because it's visual. It's right. so and I don't mean from a posting, I just mean from a loving being there and and, and and taking content into your brains. You know, it's like it's a perfect hairdresser platform.
0: It is and I think and I think it- <laughs> Instagram came in and then, and I don't know whether like, like we're seeing, you know, certainly a year ago, two years ago, we saw so much, a lot of vivid color, which also plays to, the, oh, plays yeah. to Instagram, you know, and plays to, and plays, and plays to, to, to the hairdresser. Exactly, yeah, exactly. More so to
2: the, than the consumer.
0: Yeah, def, definitely, but, but it makes it, you know, certainly a couple of years ago, it made it very interesting. Oh, you know, just stop on that picture and stuff. Yep. Actually, you know, Tony, Tony halfway sets you up and I'm going to set you up the rest of the way. And, <laughs> and this is totally 1000% self-serving. But I think last I think last year when we talked, I think it's fair to say that that we didn't know where podcasters uh, laid in, in our space in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. space in the industry. Yes. And and you and I have had a couple of private conversations where we think where we agree that the podcasts have really um, taken hold. Yes. and, and I, th- I think we're uh, more so than last year. We're way more relevant. Yes. and that was kind of a weird way to put it. But, you know, we're more relevant to and, and we can tell we can tell the long form story. And yep. um, and that's what I love about podcasts. You know, yes. I know that we do a, a format that's a little bit longer than yours, but yep. uh, you not much.
2: I mean, I'm an hour every week and you're about yep.
0: yeah. Yeah, like yeah. the same per episode. So wh- where do you see it? I mean, um, are we the new media? Are we the new no. magazines? Well, are we the y- new whatever? Yeah, <laughs> I
2: mean, I, I've been calling us the new media. And I, I'm going to go back to what Tony said, because I think so fascinating this is a fascinating conversation for me. Trade magazines. My belief is having been a trade magazine publisher and also having been a huge fan of the trade magazines in the industry for my entire career because I'm a reader, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I love to read. Um, the industry collectively doesn't read, doesn't like to read so much, you know? And so arguably, and I, I think I know a little bit of the data as a former publisher is I don't, have never believed that the majority of the industry read the magazines. It just wasn't their thing. They looked at pictures, mm-hmm. if they were lucky enough to get them. Most magazines didn't ship to anywhere near the majority of the industry. The majority of the industry never saw the magazines. So, um, so you know, it, it filled a need, you know, but I would argue that from a new media perspective, and I think Tony kind of just said this, that these podcasts have replaced the words that were in magazines. That's what I believe we have done and I believe that by having an auditory form that we've kind of filled that void that was always there because I just don't believe you know the majority of people had a lot of interest in that reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we filled that void. I also think, you know, understanding how people learn, you know, there's basically four different ways and, and one of them is auditory. And it, it skews different ways. You know, doing seeing and doing is the primary Primary way most hairdressers enjoy learning and right. also connect best with material. There's a smaller percentage who learn by listening. I'm one of those people. You know, I, I, I learn very much by hearing things, um, and by writing. I, I take notes. I never have to read my notes, by the way. I just write, and it clicks inside my brain. I believe there's a a chunk of the industry who learn and really love listening to things, mm-hmm. and because you know. Again, there's 800 and some thousand working hairdressers in America. I don't believe the majority by far are listening to podcasts. I believe there's a big chunk of them, which makes us very relevant. And I, again, go back to what I just said. I believe that we are the new media because we've replaced the written word. And Mm -hmm. I think we've done it in a really effective way.
0: And Once again, even what I said earlier about Vivids and how relevant that Mm -hmm. was to Instagram, I mean, we also have more, dare I say, stars in the, in the industry as well. So, you know, we, our formats are very similar, where we, we talk to people that are, that are working in the industry. Yes. And, and you know, certainly there, there's a lot more people to talk about, you know, it's not, we're, we're not being filtered through the manufacturers of, of who we should follow or who, who we should look up to. And, yes. and Instagram kind of opened that, that, that wide open for, for us.
2: We also don't have the, the kind of walls around, you know, content that, that I had as a publisher. Which are? So, which, which are advertisers. You know, I mean, it's a business and, and so the old school, not, well, the current and old school, you know, kind of trade media model and the consumer model in many ways, advertisers pay to allow these businesses to exist because in the beauty industry, there's no paid subscribers. The readers didn't pay anything, right. the brands pay money to the publishers, the publishers then have to put their ads in the magazines. And we always had to think when we wrote an article, which of our customers did we best serve? which customer that gave us money, <laughs> mm-hmm. we don't have that as podcasters. You know, I mean, you have a great you know, relationship with Schedulicity, I love those guys, by the way. Um, and, but at the same time, it looks to me like you have a lot of freedom to interview whoever the heck you want. Right. And we have great brand relationships at Hairbrained, but we've made it clear to our, our brands that we work with, and they're very accepting of this, that the podcast doesn't live by the rules of the older school media. We interview the people who are interesting to our audience and bring value to our audience and our brands support us in that. That's a game-changing set of rules from, for a media um, category, which I believe we are.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we, we started this podcast too, is is, is we want it not to be constricted or restricted of who we can talk to or yep. bring together, right? So. Um, its just it's just very important for us to to be able to have that freedom
2: and you do it you. so well, and I think we do a great service to the industry, and it was one of my frustrations as a publisher I, I I worked for a parent company that owned many different kinds of publishing, not just beauty, and so I had rules I had to follow, you know and we'd have meetings and it's like what, why did you put that guy in the magazine last month? He's not connected to one of our brands right. that paid page, that page could have made one of our customers happier mm-hmm. and that was my my biggest frustration as someone who really wanted to use the work I was doing to shine a light on as many up and coming people as I could. And, and that was often frustrating, but that sometimes is business. You know,
0: I, I, I we approached this with lots of naivety. We approached this with with, with, with I mean, we're just idiots. You know I mean? At the end of the day, that's it. And like, it, I didn't realize that that was even the game when we started this, mm. you know, like I didn't even, it wasn't until, uh, we were probably 10 months into it until to, 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 to we even started to hear about you know the different brand relationships mm-hmm. and, 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 and it was important for us to kind of like skate that. You know, how yeah. do we skate that? How do we have relationships with everybody? Because that's what we're interested in. We're interested in having yeah. relationships with, with all the manufacturers. Mm-hmm. But those relationships can't be, you can't talk to X, Y, and Z because that, that that's just not the space that we're It's more we, about
1: the, the artists, the manufacturers, you know, they, who the artist that that's underneath that manufacturing brand. We wanted right. relationships with all the artists.
2: Right. Right, and not be limited by brand relationships that you might have. You know, and, and hairbrained, you know, like our primary value is to is to create value in everything we do for the hairdresser. That is why we exist. And our brand relationships allow us to do that, but we're very clear in those relationships that first and foremost it's about meeting this kind of higher purpose that we have. And we'll never let go of that. We would rather not have brand relationships. We'd, we'd figure out a different and better way to allow ourselves to be in business if that got in the
1: way. And that's what we're trying to do as well. But what's since we've talked last, you know, this past year, we have noticed where a lot of uh, brands or manufacturing is allowing their artists to kind of like collab. Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's been one of the, I think, biggest changes over the yeah. last couple of years that I've noticed.
2: I I would argue, in a good way, I believe that is not being driven p- by the brands per se, but it's being driven by what the influencers brought to the table. They came with that. It was how they built their careers as influencers. It was just part of the deal. And if you wanted, to, I know many of them, we're all friends with a lot of them, and a lot of them have been really clear to me, it's like, if I wasn't allowed to do this, um, I wouldn't have a relationship with that particular brand. So, I think they have had... A tremendous amount of positive influence in the way that that we all, you know, um, do things, and it's again kind of changed up the media game. And by the way, influencers are another form of new media, <laughs> no doubt, right? No doubt, because yeah. as a publisher, trust me, they were taking a lot of money off my table back right. in my previous life.
0: Right, right. That's crazy. That's you amazing. Know? I mean, amazing. just
1: how quickly things can evolve. Very quickly, very oh my quickly, gosh. over
2: three four years. You know, it was a totally game change. I mean, we, you know, we American Salon no, no longer publishes a print magazine. Uh, Behind the Chair no longer publishes a print magazine. I would say with great confidence, no matter what anybody else might say, this is these are opinions, I guess, but mine's a fairly well informed one. They don't publish magazines because it's an economic shift of a very large number of dollars that are coming from brands in marketing, quote unquote, moved from. Old-school trade media or traditional trade media to the influencers, and the, the financial pie of spend on marketing by brands is is limited it just by nature. So as the money shifts from column A to column B, big companies have to make decisions, and some of the decisions that were made were to shut down some print magazines.
0: I mean that makes total sense to me because mm-hmm. you know one, if, <laughs> if you've ever even owned a salon and sent out like postcards to your to your uh, to your guest, you know to to your entire guest list. I mean, that's expensive, man.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, and
0: it's expensive to print a magazine. It's expensive to ship a magazine. Very. And and, I, and if nobody's literally picking it up, yep. you know, I can't tell you the last time I've seen a magazine in a salon. Yeah. You know, unless.
2: And they're out there, but they're, they're you know, most of the magazines I think are shipping, you know, 75,000 copies a month maybe, you mm-hmm. know. Some are shipping less. Maybe some are shipping a tiny bit more. But it's in that range. So think about that. 800 and some thousand working hairdressers and 75,000 going out, you know, one magazine to, to a brand.
1: But if you could take all that money that that you spent by shipping all that out and you put it toward an influencer that's using your product, you're getting that mentioned, you know, some of these influencers, you're going to reach a lot more hairdressers, uh, you know, with an influencer than you normally would by selling a magazine.
2: You know, I, I, I have, you know... Won't spend too much time on it, but you know, I'm such a fan of the publishing model, and almost goes to talking about you know how people learn again. Different strokes for different folks. I think I think magazines can be very powerful. I think print is a fantastic medium. Um, I'm, I'm sad, you know, that I see that we're doing less of it, um, because I think there's huge value there. I wish what had happened instead was that we would have taken, we would have added marketing dollars at the brand level and, and and supported the trade media, supported new media, like podcasters and influencers. And it would have been, I think a bigger win for all, but that's Mm -hmm. just not how life works sometimes.
0: Nope. Well, may, you know, maybe the brands will find value in, in what we're doing at some, at some point. You well, know, I think
2: podcasters. I think new media is in a great position. I'm just sad that I, you know, I see something I love very much, which which is the traditional media. You know, having some of the difficulties. That <laughs> That's like having.
1: cursive writing in schools, right? They they get they got rid of it. So and which I'm just, very much in favor of. I had
2: a I had a nun. You know, used to beat my hands. You know, and so my cursive, <laughs> my, cursive my cursive is pretty much ill. Ill- not legible right and um and so uh yeah i'm i'm, I'm in favor of uh, the elimination of cursive <laughs> on a personal level and but, then you, but also, then you took all those
0: beatings for no reason right yeah. <laughs> and all the young wanna, people are, are are in favor of getting rid of reading <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Have you have you seen or um, at Hairbrain, if you? We're uh, not really Hairbrain, but you know, as the CEO of this company, is there any shift in like in like our national incomes? Because I know we had the conversation with uh, with a friend of ours, and uh, he was at a party, and um, you know, there was some young girl at the party who wanted to start to get in the industry, and of course, her dad, you know, Googled you know what kind of hairdresser make and. It's a pretty alarming, alarmingly low yeah. statistic, and um, and, our, and our friend Greg, he actually had to uh, had to chat him up and go, I mean, you can make money. There's money right. to be made, but yep. but 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 uh, apparently, it's not spread across the whole country. Do you have any? Let's talk. Th- let's talk that through.
2: I think it's gone down, um, to be quite honest. Now that's anecdotal um, because the data is really hard to get your hands on um, I try to I 've always tried to like triangulate that I say I, I, I've been really fortunate to be kind of living in a Switzerland kind of world most of my career working in education and not at the brand level it kind of changes who you are and how you're perceived and I have a lot of friends and so I see stuff um, a lot of the data comes from the government and sometimes that data is not always easy to understand right but here's what we do know fairly well from stuff I've seen we have moved more to part-time employment and with the shift to rental. Um, arguably um, more people liking, making less money as they try to get on their feet moving from a commission model to a rental model. And there's a lot of things. You lose walk-ins, you you know you move two doors down, you lose 30% of your clientele. So we see right. a big shift. This generation, you know, they have different priorities and so full time if you're not making a lot of money sometimes is a challenge. So I actually believe that when you adjust for the reduction in amount of hours that people are putting in, I think maybe pay is sliding down a little bit, but that's just my opinion based mm-hmm. on observation. I, act, I also believe that um, those who take it serious and put the time in and take advantage of all the great stuff that's happening because of influencers, because of social media, the opportunity has never been greater to make a good living, and I think that's the challenge and, and kind of what you referred to a moment ago. I, I think opportunity's never been better, but the reality is not, uh, I don't think it's I think it's diminished a little bit that's awesome
0: I, I hit a couple uh, a couple more things and I'm gonna I'm gonna give them to you as a whole but I want to talk about um, is there a shift or, or have you seen a shift where there's more hybrid at salons yes you know from you know hybrid to me means commission and 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 an independent working under the yes. same roof one and then two um, well let's start there
2: I think it's the fastest growing category, personally. I mean, everyone thinks I think sweets is the fastest growing category. And I, I don't think sweets is, is as large a segment of the industry as people think it is. I mm-hmm. think, you know, we talk about it so much because there's, it's just become so interesting to more successful hairdressers. But again, if you do the math with 800,000 people in the industry, you know, I think sweets is not attractive to the majority because they don't have the wherewithal to be able to afford the rent. And so I think it we've inflated our numbers in our heads about that. Hybrids is very much a reaction to the challenge of movement from commission to to rental. Mm -hmm. It's a a roadblock, if you will. It's a strategy to keep people from leaving. If you want to rent, rent here instead of somewhere else. And so commissions are adjusting their, commission salons Mm -hmm. are adjusting their models. I don't know that for most, it's gonna be a successful long-term strategy. It feels like a Hail Mary pass. And I've seen too many salons in the Chicago market doing unsuccessfully. Um, and I, what I do see happening is salons who are using it as a defensive posture. And my concern is that they will just swing full rental that is, over a, a few years, that more and more. Because, again, it's an alternative for staff members who want to leave. And I, right. I think it's just going to end up being all rental for, for the majority. Um, that's just an opinion.
0: Do you, With the hybrid salons that you've seen, have you seen somebody that – or is there a model within that model – um that that is successful or that you can um or, or what are the how do you make that a successful uh business model
2: yeah, It's it's a fascinating question actually um and chelsea james is here you know she's one of my favorites um mm-hmm. denver salon owner uh, hybrid salon owner great platform artist uh, just signed with kuhn actually um and um so i know she's here at the show um i don't know if you have you guys interviewed chelsea no Maybe, oh have you, L- you need to yeah. oh my gosh she's amazing <laughs> Um, love her. Hey, she, I, I think she's a listener. So if you're listening, hey Chelsea, <laughs> reach um, out,
1: DM, DM us. There you go. <laughs> you know? I'll, I'll make sure that happens. Um, <laughs> the, um, but she
2: she runs an amazing um, hybrid salon, and she's been a sweet owner. She's been a commission salon owner. She's been um, a commission salon stylist. Um, she's been. She's an army veteran who sh- shot cruise missiles oh, <laughs> to really? add to her story. Oh yeah, you got an interviewer, her. Um, but um, no, she's done it very successfully. Here's, and here's the key. And I think this is the key to success in every model that we can think of where there's more than one person culture. She's developed a brilliant culture that I believe um, it's um, it's, it's built on all the things that have always made salon successful. So she doesn't, she, she looks at her salon as a team of people even though some are renting and some are commissioned. She has apprentices in the salon who are there to support the entire team. So she has an apprentice model to bring people in to then go commission and then possibly go rental. Deeper conversation, perfect one for Chelsea James to have with you guys, (laughs) but culture. And I would say that the biggest challenge that commission salons have today in not losing staff is having culture, great culture. Culture that inspires people, culture that supports people, culture that makes people understand that they have a path for their career within the salon where they work. And The best salons I know that are not worried about rental, about these new business models, most of them that I've observed who are doing successfully, they have a strong, powerful, inspiring culture. To build
1: on to, uh, to what he was saying, how about independent education? Mm-hmm. You see uh, a, a huge, growing market of independent education.
2: I, I think it peaked a, a year or two ago, to be honest. I, I think we're on the down a little bit. I don't, think, I don't think we're like, you know, diving into a trench or anything, but mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, really at what I think was the peak of the influencer movement, you know, was over a year ago now. I actually think what's happened on the influencer space is I, I feel like there's less at the highest level, you know? And I think below that it's a little wonky at the moment, not sure where it's going to take us. And I believe those at the top are continuing to do great independent educators. Education, um, I, I I think we're over the peak. I honestly do.
0: What about, I mean, like, you know, the space we're trying to play in a little bit is also like uh, independent shows or independent mm-hmm. events as yes. well. I mean, we're trying to do, you know, in, in September we're doing um, Presley Poe and Friends and, yep. and um, we... Uh, I hope whenever this airs we might be adding more names to it but as it stands today where we sit you know we uh, we have Sam Via coming in with Presley yeah. and we have uh, Ruth Roche and Jackie Davis um, yeah. all signed off for that night so I mean it's a space that we're trying to play in and in you again certainly with instagram you're seeing a lot more of these like uh, almost almost pop-up education yes. kind of things and and it excites me it just excites me that that we have a lot of young not that we're the young ones but that we have a lot of um that we have a lot of young artists well, you gordon know. clearly said we're not so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't say me he <laughs> said you um
0: but no that that's inter- that's interesting play to me too where where okay well if if i can't get recognized by x manufacturer or or maybe not they don't even want to get recognized yep. but that that like um that that people are but the, Take, taking the gall really to, to do their own events, and you guys do. You guys do a bunch of events as well.
2: Well, we do events, kind of married to other events for the most part. Like here at ISSC, we have a great partnership with the PBA, and you know, so we do teach in here every year, which is an evening event that's all harebrained, and we bring some amazing artists to the stages. But we, you know, we do it kind of as a bolt-on, if you will, to existing events with with, with, um, events where we have great relationships. We're launching our first conference, FutureCast. You guys are gonna be part of it March 30th in Chicago. HBFutureCast.com, check it out. By the time this airs, it'll probably be sold out, but but that for us will be a conference for 400 people. So we're putting our toe in that water. We're gonna do it in in a way I think is quite different than what you guys are doing, which is a great thing. I would say every bit of, Again, triangulating research, you know, shows me that the majority of hairdressers in the industry do not get education on an annual basis. Huge opportunity, huge opportunity, and I think, you know, there's so many of these independents who are kind of plugged into that notion. You know, they you know, and I think maybe a lot of people don't go to some of the existing education because it just doesn't seem to fit their need, either geographically, financially, mm-hmm. maybe the vibe doesn't feel quite right for them. You know, different different strokes for different folks, and I think that these kind of events these smaller events this type of stuff you guys are are doing um, it just resonates perhaps with a different crowd or maybe
1: it resonates with people who
2: are want to do something different even though they've maybe been committed to getting educated they like the new shiny thing and i think that's a great thing
1: also the great thing is too for what from our point of view is that we get to get these artists that can work together that normally wouldn't yeah. ever be able to work together. And yeah,
2: that, that's the harebrained teaching model, by the way. That's what we've been doing teachings teach in now. it's, I think, seventh year. And that was Gerard's vision. You know, he's like he was a brand educator. He worked for Aveda. He worked for Paul Mitchell. He worked for Rojo. Um, and so he was like, I have all these friends because so many educators from that era have worked at different brands. But right. as soon as they move from brand A to brand B, they're not allowed to work together anymore. So right. Hairbrain created a platform and last night we had, uh, wow, well, between Elevate Hair and, and, and what we did at Hairbrain for our teach-in, we had something like 30-some educators across that stage, all from different brands and all from different walks of life within the industry. And I agree with you. It's, it's brilliant and it's a great model. Beautiful.
0: I love it. As we wrap up here, Gordon, do you have like, what can we look forward to this year?
2: We're talking not from Gordon, but from the industry. Yes, (laughs) yeah, 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 exactly.
0: (laughs) Give us the industry's opinion through Gordon's filter.
2: Well, you know, one thing that fascinates me, and we saw this on stage last night, and this is going into a little bit different direction in our conversation, but the texture conversation is everywhere. It's crazy. Um, And I mean that in the best of ways, crazy, because you don't see things that quite pop. It's very much aligned with the experience we had with Vivids. I mean, Vivids popped and like just became the center of the hairdressing universe for a while. It's mm-hmm. still very powerful, um, which means it took hold. You know, that's the great thing when you see a trend, you know, where it's got longevity. Now we're seeing this with texture. My concern um, on the topic is, and, and uh, I hate the word texture because I think it's a word we grabbed onto years ago, and sometimes we don't know what it means. My pivot point training from years ago was that we all have texture and texture is a continuum from very, very fine and straight hair to mm-hmm. very, very highly curly hair and everything in between. So it, to me, it's a confusing term, but I think, you know, we, we are seeing this, this movement of texture, you know, which is really, um, it's hit, every brand's launching texture products and it's, it's fascinating. It's like the third time around for me and I get excited, you know, every time because, you know, diversity is so important. The world's changing. Um, people are changing, their hair is changing. You know, mm-hmm. we see greater needs than we've ever seen for, for our industry to be able to service a variety and a more diverse you know, uh, number of guests. But we've been here before, you know, and my big, my big uh, observation about the texter conversation is that, and I will use this in almost every, anal- or every analysis of the, the issues we face as a professional industry, we are a reflection of the bigger world. Um, when we talk about Futurecast, what, what do we think is going to happen in the industry? It starts in the larger world. Right. You know, e-commerce was starting, started outside. Podcasting started somewhere else and we brought it in. Um, Texture, one of the biggest challenges with Texture is just the issues of race and America. And, you know, our neighborhoods aren't as diverse as we'd like them to be still, although we see that shifting, mm-hmm. um, our, you know, the, our communities aren't as diverse and when diversity becomes more important to the American culture and society, then it will become more important in the salon. And I think that's when the big shifts will happen. And I hope those, that happens in our larger culture tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon right. I'm I'm really you. I'm really passionate about this subject. And um, I think, you know, coming from Chicago in particular, we have a great, wonderfully diverse city. Um, I just want to see it everywhere.
1: Awesome. So as we wrap it up, that's going to be the word of 2020, texture. texture.
2: And now let's change it, diversity. Diversity. diversity, I love that too. I love
1: that too. And, and, and
0: that's why we have to reach out okay. to Kia, because Kia is at the head of uh, a head of that so tech team.
2: So, let me say this before you go about Kia, because I know you're wrapping up, but Kia, I saw her for the first time three years ago teach a class, and I walked, stood in the back of the classroom. I never met her before. I waited for her to come outside. I said, you are a masterful educator. You're one of the best I've ever seen, and gave her a big hug, and she's become a friend, but she's brilliant.
0: She is brilliant. I agree. Can't wait to get her on. Mr. Gordon Miller, once again, thank you for the friendship, first and foremost. Thank, thank you, you Thank you for everything that you do for the industry and certainly uh, yeah. for how you've helped us uh, navigate this, this this crazy, crazy world that, yeah. that we found ourselves in.
2: Again, but, very, very proud of you guys, and I'm a huge fan I Listen, and uh, Gabriel's sitting here. How come you guys don't get, how come we don't hear from Gabriel?
0: Because you promised him a spot on your podcast, and it's time for you to bring him on. I think we're going to have to do it. I think we're yeah. going to have to do that. Gordon Miller, CEO of Hairbrain. Thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. My
2: pleasure.
0: Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, Leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it,